Turn to the book of Jonah. Again, it is in the minor prophet section towards the tail end of uh, the Old Testament, right after that epic story written by Obadiah, which I'm sure you know exactly where the book of Obadiah is. And uh, today we get to the most famous part of Jonah. And as a matter of fact, it is so famous and so illustrious, we're just going to focus on one verse today. Uh, I don't know if you guys could hear, it's very rare, as a matter of fact, never been done before, where I have shown an Abbott and Costello video, uh, but you couldn't hear it whatsoever because of all the fellowship in the room. Just so you know, they do a great, a great bit on Jonah and the whale, and that's what that was. Uh, so you can go back, you can YouTube it, I'm sure no one's going to do that. Uh, today, uh, as we look at... Jonah, and we're seeking to learn what God would have for us in examining this. I want to help you understand. You can pull out your sermon notes, uh, they're in your bulletin. Pull those out, and then you can fill them out as we move forward. It is uh, a privilege to gather with brothers and sisters in Christ here in prayer before we have our service. And we just did that. And part of our prayer time, we focused on the understanding that what we look at today is not something that should be passe. It, it is an amazing, amazing story of the Bible. And yet it's one that so many of you have heard from childhood how, Pastor, how are you going to preach on that one verse and keep our attention? Because there's so much that's involved in that one verse. And we're going to try to connect it up with our culture of the day. Uh, I don't know if you're aware, there's a little bit of a game going on later today and the job of the pastor is somehow to tie Joan and the Whale into the cultural machinations of the Super Bowl. So... Uh, uh, this morning as we continue on, here's a great quote. It says, prepare to be amazed. And millions of people will tune in to, I don't know where it is, Fox, CBS, whatever, around 3.30 because they're going to be prepared to be amazed. Right? Some of you are making special dip, your famous dip for the game because people are prepared to be amazed. Some of you could care less about football, but you are ready for the commercials because you're prepared to be amazed. Have you ever gotten to the end of the Super Bowl and you're like, all those commercials stunk. I'm so disappointed. And you go to bed depressed or maybe your team lost and, and you weren't amazed, but there were some special moments throughout uh, Super Bowls throughout the years that did amaze us. And so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that, but today... More so, we should be amazed at a story that maybe we're very, maybe over-familiar with. So prepare this morning to be amazed because God is at work. Often His work can be subtle and yet other times dramatic. Regardless, be amazed when you see it, benefit from it, or partake in it. And that is our privilege today, is to see it, to benefit from it, and to partake in it. Let's go before the Lord so that He prepares our hearts, prepares our souls for what we will receive today. Father, we turn to You with great expectation to be amazed. 
that Lord, as we unravel this incredible message from millennia, one that has been passed down for so long, And the reason that this story has held on through many cultures, generation after generation, is because it's an amazing story. And yet, Father, when we look at how You were at work, how You have appointed things, it goes much deeper. Prepare us to be amazed. Thank You, Father. Amen. Well, this morning as we continue... Kind of our focus today is miracles, mysteries, or manifestations. Miracles, mysteries, or manifestations. When God is at work, when God works according to His will, one of the things that we've already seen in this quote is sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes God is working behind the scenes and, and it's just the little subtle things that, that maybe you notice or you don't notice. Yesterday, my wife and I participated in just a great spiritual exercise in the garage. I encourage all married couples to do this. We worked on her car together. Like, no, like real work. Not like vacuuming, cleaning, whatever. We replaced the spark plug wires together. And it was very, there was a lot of spark in our marriage yesterday. <laughs> it was just very exciting. And so, as we're going through it, and so then... When you do something like that, you want to see, has there... And so we went out and we test drove the car. And, and it idled just a little bit smoother. It, it was more consistent through the, through the rev patterns. But not overly dramatic. It was a subtle change. But a change nonetheless. And one that's good for the health of the car. Sometimes that's what God's doing. Is that there are subtle things that are happening and going on all around us. And we fail to see it until they're not happening until they're not happening for some of you who are type a people or highly organized this would be the section that's called the details right the details that unless we get our details spot on there can be a little bit of a hiccup or a big hiccup subtlety and god's work within subtlety is something we should see. Why? And why can subtlety be so amazing? Because any time you get to see God at work, it is amazing. Amen. And most of the time, it's subtle, so we're not paying attention. How many of you like mysteries? Or suspense? How many of you pride yourselves in knowing what's going to happen before it happens? Because there's these little subtle signs all over, right? Right? There's this big thing within movies now that are called Easter eggs. I don't know why they call them that, but they're called Easter eggs. And they're little signs that are like maybe on the back, back of a box of cereal that the guy, the main character is eating. They will give a prediction of something that's going to happen later, like four episodes in the story. And you never notice it. It was a subtlety and it was a clue. And if you pick up on those clues, it's kind of cool. It's kind of amazing. You know, God is at work all the time. And there's subtleties to this story of Jonah, and then there are some not-so-subtle moments. Today, we're in one of those moments that's not so subtle. 
So as we move forward with this idea of miracles, mysteries, or manifestations, you know, sometimes the mysteries are where the subtleties lie. The miracles are the big event. This is the, the, the big amazing part of what's going on. And we, we look and we say, look at what God has done. I was thinking this past week, what, what is it that I could tie in as far as one of Jesus' miracles that was so amazing that, that there was no subtlety about it? And I thought about when Jesus healed the individual that had a withered hand. It just instantly came all back to life. Think about the paralytic that had been on a mat his entire life. And if you have any training in kinesiology, or if you just have a brain. You know if someone's been laying down their entire life, even if you heal the substructure, the muscle structure isn't there to stand up and walk. Which is exactly what happened. Which if you read these miracles and what happens, there is the action that happens, the sustained action, the life-changing experience by the individual. But the crowds are what? The crowds are amazed. Later today, probably around 5 o'clock, some of those crowds around America are going to be amazed by certain things that will happen. Some will be subtle things. Nobody's watching how important the offensive line is. And nobody cares about kickers. But put that kicker into the right situation for a game-winning kick at the very end, and a guy sneaks through that they weren't paying attention to, and he blocks that game-winning kick the crowds will be screaming one way or the other. There's going to be a lot of screaming later today. Right? But it's not those two miracles that the Lord led me to. He led me to the miracle of Lazarus. And the crowds were amazed. If you've been around here for a while, you know that when I come up to Easter time in the Passion Week, we start talking about that gathering. You know, the one where, where Mary anointed Jesus' feet where the Judas got mad and angry and left, and they were gathered for a feast. They were gathered at Lazarus' house in Bethany. And it wasn't just that there was a feast there, it's that the whole town came out to see. The whole town came out to see Lazarus because it was amazing. It was a miracle. There was nothing subtle about that. Yet the subtlety in that story is that Lazarus, like Jonah, were predecessors, subtle predecessors to what was about to happen with Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? See, there's the incredible things that happen with miracles, then there's the subtlety, and then there's the, the manifestations. We look forward to those moments where there's something unique and special in our church service or in our prayer time or in our spiritual walk where there's just some kind of an incredible manifestation of the Holy Spirit of God. And we hang on to those moments. Can I encourage you, all three of those things are equally important. And God will use all three of these events according to His appointed will and time in order that we might know Him. And that's what today's message is about. That's what today's message is about. Let's look at the verse today. You don't often hear me say that. The verse versus the verses. We have one verse today. 
And it's Jonah 1.17, just so you don't get confused. It is the precursor leading into chapter 2. And it says this, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Pastor, how are you going to preach for another hour and a half on one verse? Hmm. Well, miracles do happen. God's sovereign plan at work is our first point today. God's sovereign plan at work. It's actually our only point, but we have multiple subpoints. When we talk about God's sovereignty, there are those who at the end of today's Super Bowl may be interviewed, and they may go as far as saying, God, God allowed me to catch that ball. God allowed me to pass that ball. That always bothers me a little bit, because what are you saying about the people who believe in God on the other side of the team? What are you saying about the, the defensive end who, who was inches away from getting to the quarterback before he made the, the game-winning throw? They don't interview that guy. That guy would have said, God kept me from smashing that quarterback because he's my brother in Christ. We don't ever get that interview. You know, it's an amazing thing how we attribute certain things to God. And I think part of that reason is, is because God reveals Himself as sovereign. Now we talked a little bit about free will versus God's will last week, and there's this interesting codependency, but make no mistake, God is in control. And that's one of the subtexts in the book of Jonah. And here we find ourselves with one of the main verses that speaks to that. God, what? God appointed a fish. God appointed a fish. Our first point today is God's plan for Nineveh. God's plan for Nineveh was the game plan. The book of Jonah is about God's will, His determined will, for the city of Nineveh. We gave you a little bit of history over the past couple weeks about who Nineveh is. Nineveh is the enemy of Israel. Nineveh are not good guys. We're going to have a nice Lego movie version of the story of Jonah ready for you in two weeks. Uh, there's a new Lego movie coming out. Somebody made a Lego version of Jonah. It's actually pretty good. Uh, and so we, we look forward to that. Uh, but it is an amazing tell to watch how God's revealed plan is at work for the Ninevites. It was really cute in this movie that this guy made how he displayed the Ninevites. There's a, a Lego bad guy who's beating another guy with a shovel and just smashing him into Lego bits. There's a bunch of people standing outside of a bar drinking and, and laughing and drinking and laughing. There's another person who comes up, shoves a Lego person over, and then takes his Lego wallet. And uh, uh, so, you know, I, these, are, you know, these are the teasers, these are the trailers of, of what you have to look forward to. The Assyrian nation was a brutal nation. They, they made the Nazis look like schoolboys. And part of one of the things that they would do when they would conquer, go in and conquer a nation, is that they would take the, the individuals that they had conquered, certain individuals that were of uh, notoriety or importance, and they would fillet them. They would skin them alive and leave them chained to a post in the sun to bake till they were dead. Nice group of people, right? 
So when you think about who the Ninevites are, and you think that this story of Jonah is about God's will, His predetermined will and plan to create the opportunity of redemption, I look at that and say that's mysterious. There is no subtlety in that. And what we see in our verse today is the extent, the miraculous that has to happen in order for the plan to work. Brothers and sisters, that's at work all around us. All around us. God will use the miraculous. He will use the mystery. He will use the subtlety. He will use the amazing in order to accomplish His plan. How does that work? Well, even when God's man, God's coach, refuses to call the play and he wants to head the other way, sometimes he brings in a great fish. Sometimes he brings in a storm. But one way or the other, God's plan will come about. That should shape how we see God, how we see the church, and how we see ourselves. Understand how the game plan works. It's the Lord's game plan. If you want to understand the mysteries of what that looks like, start with the accuracy of knowing God's game plan. And when it comes to the book of of Jonah, there is a mystery here. Why would the God of Israel reach out to redeem a horrible, hideous enemy of Israel? Well, we don't know for sure what all of his determinations were. What we take from it is part of God's plan is that he offered that redemption to the worst. How does that relate for us? Have we ever heard, have we ever thought, have we ever come across individuals that say, I've done too many things that are so bad that not even God would would want me? Right? That when you think about God's love and the depth of His love, when you think about Jesus magnifying that on the cross, saying to His very accusers who have whipped Him, who have scourged Him, who have mocked Him, who have spit on Him because He interfered with their power struggle, He says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. See, this is where we get an insight into who our God is. And it is mysterious, is it not? Are you not amazed? I am. I am. So this morning, when we're looking at the whale of a tale, we have to start with God's plan for Nineveh. It is the game plan for the whole book of Jonah. Secondly, God's plan for the sailors. Well, we just left that last week, right? Jonah boards a ship. And he's heading off as far away the other way from Nineveh as he can get. And he thinks he's going to hide from the presence of God. And so as he does so, he's hiding and God says, No, I'm going to bring about circumstances because you you got on a ship with a bunch of people who do not know me. That's fine. I can deal with that. I'll make it so they do know me. As a matter of fact, you want to keep your mouth shut and you don't want to prophesy, and you don't want to be my spokesperson, not only will you be my spokesperson in Nineveh, guess what? The very people that you thought you could hide under, 
They're going to know about me because of your mouth. You will open your mouth, Jonah. Isn't that crazy? When we think we're running things, God's subtle plan, it included support staff. And often we think that God only works through the church. This is an amazing understanding that God can work through anybody. God, Scripture tells us that if we remain silent, these stones will cry out. All of creation cries out. And so he uses an improbable group of sailors. And as a result, as you heard last week, they cried out to the Lord at the end. They honored the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now that's a a nice little play in the game plan, isn't it? But it's not the main focus of the game plan. But see, the Lord can do some amazing things that are subtle, weren't necessarily part of the overall plan, but add to the understanding God's in control. God is in control. For those of us that have struggled so hard to try to help someone, to try to speak to someone. Maybe we're related to someone and and we think that we've got to bring that answer that the Lord has. One of the things that that I experience in youth ministry so much of the time is the partnering with families. Because sometimes the voice gets so familiar that the voice is pointless. Jonah's voice may have been pointless to certain people, but it certainly wasn't in certain circumstances to sailors. God used His appointed messenger to bring an incredible message. And in our same world or our same life, understand He may use the most unsuspecting people as part of His plan. In your efforts, in your focus, don't ever undersell anybody. It is amazing that whoever wins today on the big game Uh, Do you know that the ball boys will get rings? Do you know the people that supply towels? The people that roll out the medical carts? The guys who are doing the announcing on radio? They're going to get rings. You're never going to see those people. Now you will, right? You're going to watch the game and you're going to be like, oh, there's the ball guy, right? You know? But there's an amazing thing about the support staff and how God uses the support staff. So we see that with the sailors, and that's an important part. Maybe you are the support staff for someone else's story. Have you ever thought through that? Maybe God's appointed work with someone, you would think, is going to go through this natural process, this natural play. Let's call a read option, fade right, post route. It's obvious. The safety is playing too tight up in the box. We're going to kill them on this. Then all of a sudden, something opens up. Something is blocked. And the next thing you know, the lineman got the ball. And he's like... And everybody's on TV, just tackle him. My mother could tackle that guy. My kitten could tackle that guy. He's so slow. Maybe you are the support for someone else's redemption. 
Isn't that amazing how God works the mystery of it and the miracle of it? Don't undersell the support staff. They're important. Next, God's plan for Jonah. Well, if we're going to equate this with the, with the illustration today, I would have to say he's the coach. He's the coach. And we've heard some great quotes by coaches over the years. Tell me if you know who this coach is. They're exactly who we thought they were. That's right. Go Minnesota. Uh, the most famous one for my generation, playoffs. Mora. Right? You get these coaches that, that are a little disgruntled and you get them before a microphone or the press and you start to see how the game plan unraveled. And you, some of us may be like, how on earth would the general manager ever make that guy the coach? And, and there will be plays that will happen today and, and there's a, a certain coach up in Seattle that there, he was on the hot seat a couple years ago. I don't know if you remember this. But they were going in for the win of the Super Bowl. And everybody on every couch and in every bar was saying, give the ball to Lynch. And he, the coach called a pass play. We still, to this day, do not know what happened. Did a pigeon poop on his head and he lost his... What happened to Pete Carroll in that moment. And he probably got too far off the, the script, didn't he? Tried to get a little cute. Because he knew everybody in every couch, in every bar, everywhere knew, I'm going to give it to Beast and he's going to run it in. So I'm going to get fancy. I'm going to get off the surefire. I'm going to call my own little audible. Does this sound like a certain coach out of the book of Jonah? It's amazing. In God's plan, He establishes coaches. For you and I, maybe we're the coach for someone in our sphere of influence. Influence? That's what Jim Morris should have said. Influence? Right? Say, what influence do I... You have influence. If you have contact with people throughout the week, you have influence, brothers and sisters. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? If you're employed somewhere and you work with other people, if you're around anyone who is carrying burdens, you have influence. And you are God's coach. You are God's coach. The question is, are you going to stick to the game plan? Jonah didn't. And it created a whale of a tail. Which we're going to get to right now. God's plan for fish. The catch. You see what I did there? Right? Some of you are like, I'm so done with this football illustration, but just go with it. Okay? The catch, right? So fish, and you catch, right? And the, but then you take it deeper, and you got the whale or the group, and he catches, right? And, and then you got... Montana and, and who? Clark and the catch. Man, that's a triple zinger. Okay? You, you can bank that one, write that down. It's really, really good stuff. 
God's plan for the fish. There are those moments where everything's falling apart. Everything's falling apart. You're going to see, we're going to do the... Uh, I was obligated to mention the catch. But I'm going to go to something else called the Immaculate Reception. And you're going to see that during our meet and greet. We're just going to roll the video, and, and once you start seeing the video, you can kind of settle back to your seats. And, and then we have a, a, an amazing, miraculous testimony today to encourage you. But I love... Look, okay, I love the catch. It's incredible, right? <laughs> but the, imm <laughs> the Immaculate Reception, if you know what this is, it's Steelers versus Raiders, and anything where the Raiders lose, I'm like really happy. But anyway, <laughs> that's why I prefer that. But uh, uh, Bradshaw should have gotten tackled. It's off the game plan, and he has to scramble, and, and you know, everything's chaotic, and it's, it's so off. And so he just hurls the ball as hard as he can. I don't even know he was throwing to somebody. He hurls the ball as hard as he can. It's so hard, it bounces off the Oakland defender, and it goes backwards and lands in Franco Harris's hands, who dutifully just runs it into the end zone. People had stopped. You, you watch the video, and, and some of the Oakland defenders thought the play was over because they, you know, it, it ricocheted, didn't hit the initial target. But when we think about the catch, we think about the fish, the initial target was Jonah, just do what I say. Go this very simple route and go to the Ninevites and take my message to them. That's all I need you to do. Why complicate it? Nope, I'm going this way. Okay, fine. I'm even going to give you a practice round with some sailors. You're going to have to practice this message of who I am and, and get this figured out. And in your stubbornness, you're going to have to go through some grief. It's all going to break down. It's going to become chaotic. But God provides a fish. God provides a fish. Some people have asked the question and, and they want to discount this idea because it's impossible. It is amazing, right? It is the miraculous. Let me help you with some statistics, or just some plain, simple visuals. Uh, this bottom picture is a, a black sea bass. Think that diver fits in the mouth of the black sea bass? Okay, these are just fish. These aren't even whales. But when you go to the next... Oh, I may not have the secondary picture up. No, I don't. So. I was asked this question multiple times, and it's a great question. Was it a fish or was it a whale, right? What, what actually was it? Well, Jesus in Matthew 12 uses the sign of Jonah. We've talked about this early on. And the KJV uses the word whale when he tells the story. So scholars and those who are invested in disproving the Bible use this for a long time to say, see, inconsistency straight from Jesus' mouth. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. Therefore, Christianity isn't real. That's like asking me to fix a car. Okay? I think I know what I'm doing, and I can, I can tell you what a gonculator is, but outside of that, you don't want me working on your car, folks. Right? I can change a tire, but don't ask me to inflate it. I don't even know what that means. But... You get the point. 
That's what it's like sometimes when people come in and try to criticize what they don't know. And what they don't know is that the Greek word here for whale or fish was translated as well 300 years before Christ from the Septuagint as the same Greek word Jesus used, which is ketos. Do you know what ketos means? You should know what it means. It's on the screen in front of you. Large sea creature. What does that allow for? Does that allow for a gigantic fish? Does it allow for uh, a whale? Does it allow for me in a tube in the ocean? (laughs) Yes, it does. Large... We have something on radar, Captain. Dive. There's a story... We get whale, in case you think that this is so far-fetched, or a whale of a tail. There's a true story that comes out of the late 1800s, early 1900s, of a whaling crew uh, that was hunting a sperm whale. This is probably why you see some of the early pictures or illustrations. And uh, there was some tragedy and chaos in the midst of hunting this sperm whale. And multiple sailors went over the sides of some of the small boats. (coughs) They eventually uh, uh, were able to capture the whale. And they spent the entire night doing what you have to do to uh, get the whale. I don't know if you all know this, but for a very long time, until coal was realized as a commodity, do you know how you had light? Oil. You know the number one product for oil? was whale oil. That's why you have all that history of whaling. And uh, so the moral of that story is that whales are very happy we found coal. So, but the story goes that they had to, you know, do what they do in order to get the flesh and get the oil. And they spent the entire evening doing that. And around midday, the next day, they hauled the stomach up onto the ship deck. When they had the stomach up on the ship, some of you may not have a stomach for this story, so. Um, When they hauled the stomach up on the ship's deck, they noticed it was moving. So they, I know, I warned you. So they, they surgically opened the stomach. See, I'm trying to sanitize the whole story. They surgically, they magically waved a wand and the stomach opened and out rolled a sailor. And he was still breathing. He was unconscious, but he was still breathing. Now you're talking 18, 22 hours later. And they took him, they revived him, got the seawater out of him. And the story, the factual stories are he was nuts for a week. They kept him locked up. And he's just like nuts. But he eventually, I think like about a month later, he kind of got his faculties back around him. And, and so, you know, this part of this story that I'm like, how do you survive inside? This is, I don't know if this goes from miracle to subtlety to mystery. I don't know which one, but that's not important. What we gather from this is God has a plan. God will use support staff to execute that if the coaches don't step up. And sometimes God will use the most improbable thing to make His plan come about. And in this case, it was a large sea creature. So we need not to worry about losing our 
scientific intellect on this one. By the way, where we're going here in a minute is going to help you understand that's, that's a walk in the ocean compared to what we're going to look at. So let's go to the New Testament. God's plan for Lazarus. And, and you can turn to John 11. And we're going to be around 25-26. You have some notes for this. God's plan for Lazarus. Well, this is kind of like the game prep, right? There's a, a ridiculous video on YouTube about um, Tom Brady and his efforts for game prep. And ESPN's run out of things to say, so they just oversaturate stuff. So now they have gone to this 18th level of separation talking about how uh, obsessed Tom Brady is with game prep and how much film he watches for a game. And he just goes on and on and on about certain things. And I'd put up my quarterback any day against Tom Brady, although he just got punched in the face by Tom Brady. So uh, I guess, I don't know what that says about me, but my quarterback, Mr. Phillip Rivers, knows football so well that he'll look, watch a Charger game sometime, watch him when he's lining up. He'll look and he'll identify every defense you throw at him, so much so that if he's got enough time, he'll yell over to the defensive coordinator and say, really? That's what you've got? Watch this. That's how much smack Philip Rivers talks. Now what's amazing is that you have this sign of Jonah that happens. The Jewish nation was very much aware of it, and God gives them a second chance to prepare for Jesus. And so he uses an incredible miracle with Lazarus. And when you think about film day, the point of film day is to study so that you're prepared when the event is happening. God sent film day to the nation of Israel, and they were amazed at one moment, and then they just shoved it down to be a subtlety and totally missed it the next moment when Christ died on the cross and rose again three days later. What's the commonality, brothers and sisters? Jonah was down and then resurrected three days. What about Lazarus? Scripture tells us he was there for three days. There was no denial. The reason this was so amazing is because of the way that he was wrapped and the way that the, the Scripture tells us this unpacked. I'll be careful about how I give you details, how it unpacked, and how uh, Lazarus would have been seen as clean or unclean in those moments, and three days had to transpire. This is why Jesus hesitated to come and heal? is because this was supposed to be a what? A sign of what was about to come. And we missed that one too. God goes to great extents to amaze us. And so much of the time we miss it. We miss it or we dismiss it. Like this story, of, oh, it's a cute little kid's story. You know, it, it played well on the flannel graph. Veggie Tales had a great song to it, right? There's going to be apparently a great Lego movie about it in a couple weeks. You know, God sent us game prep for the event and the amazing event that would change our lives. Last point, God's plan for Jesus, the pick six. Do you know what a pick six is? Some of you know what it is. I'm going to let my brother Damon, Damien tell me, or tell you, Damien, what's a, what's a pick six? 
2016, Steelers versus the Cardinals. Harrison. I make Harrison look, I don't know, good. <laughs> I make him look good. Uh, Harrison is about my size, maybe bigger. But things are in the right position with him to be an athlete. He carries his weight in the right aspects. Uh, he caught a ball behind, like right on the touchdown line. Arizona was going in for a touchdown. Probably would have won the game. I don't even remember who won that game. The point is, is that this improbable person intercepted the ball and lumbers down the field. And that support staff helps him accomplish this goal. And it was one of the most exciting games ever for the Super Bowl. Because here, one team is looking at certain defeat and doom. And in a moment, the most improbable, miraculous thing happens. And it flips everything on its head. Are you watching? Are you listening? Are you paying attention to how this applies to Jesus Christ? We are lost in sin and death. Are we not? The enemy was pretty excited about killing Christ. Here's one thing. He didn't read the playbook. He didn't read the playbook. And it's like a good defense that baits a quarterback to throw the ball right where you want him to. And in the moment where it seems like the most certain death, destruction, finality, somberness is at your doorstep, it changes like that. That's why I think the pick six is the most exciting play in all of football. It can change those who are downtrodden, those who are worried, those who are hopeless in a moment. Whereas those who think they're going to be victorious and who are evil, Patriots, (laughs) those who are evil, um, I've just isolated myself in some of your eyes, and in others I've been glorified. Okay. That there's this process where evil thinks it's going to have its day and it's going to win. And Christ came in a moment, and death happened, and the disciples and those followers of Christ, it was such a dark time. They thought they lost. And just like Jonah... Jonah was resurrected after three days. Just like Lazarus. Lazarus was resurrected after three days. Jesus was resurrected after three days. But this is what all of those other things were pointing to according to God's game plan. And this moment, this part of the story, this connection to the whale of the tail is for you and I. This is how it applies to you and I. Look at the Scripture in 11... John 11:25 through 26 as I close today. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Stop. Who is her? Her is Lazarus' sister who runs out to excoriate Jesus as he's approaching the village. And she screams at him, Where were you? I know the game plan. I know what you can do. Where were you? You didn't show up for one of the biggest plays ever. 
And Jesus says, this is actually where we see the scripture says Jesus wept. His compassion on the pain that we suffer because of sin and death. But he had to follow the game plan in order that ultimately there would be victory. Amen? And so in finishing, he gives us words for us. Not just for Mary. But words for us. And he says this in verse (coughs) 25. He said to her, I am the resurrection life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And his next words I ask you, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Because it's a whale of a tale. Is it not? And yet we see the evidence because of the miracles of Christ. And the greatest miracle ever was His resurrection that we might have life. Let me pray this morning. And then uh, I'm going to encourage you all to get up real briefly and uh, greet one another and encourage one another. And then when you hear video or see video, uh, find your seats. And then we have a special, special testimony for you this morning. Father, as we come through looking at this incredible story, help us to see Your sovereign hand, Your game plan. Help us to understand how that works through Your Son, Jesus Christ. And how detailed You are. Your subtleties and yet Your amazing moments working hand in hand that we might believe in the One who can truly save us. Help us be amazed at this and live in accordance to it. To You be all glory, Father. Amen.